As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Welcome to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I thank you all for joining. And as I always share, you are the kind of leaders that make our world a better place. And our only hope is that these conversations are helping you on your leadership journey. So I'm Mike Sipple Jr., your podcast host today, and I am in the studio with a familiar voice from episode nine, Daniel Wechter, who's been a longtime friend, client, advisor, and is also now an investor in the Talent Magnet Institute. Daniel, thank you for joining us back for your second episode and recording in the studio. Thank you very much, Mike. Happy to be here. So, Daniel, I can't wait to have some further discussion on what makes leadership scalable and how do we turn leadership into action and more learnings and dive into some examples and experiences, as well as what has drawn you in to the topic of leadership and the topics of the Talent Magnet Institute and what we're trying to do to change the world and create more leaders worthy of following. So could we get into, let's talk about the last two years, right? Some of the experiences that you've had that have further ingrained the power and impact of leadership in the world around us and the roles that you've been leading in. Yeah, it has been indeed two years. And I have to admit they were from an experience perspective, almost like four or five years. I had joined a listed company, so I've added that to my experience space. Joined a company called Beam is headquartered in Wisconsin. And only three months later, there was an announcement that Beamis would merge with Encore. Uh, so after having joined a business, a lot of things had changed very quickly, not just from a business perspective, but also from a leadership perspective, and had been a incredibly intense experience of continue to focus on leading a team, a global team in sales and marketing for a significant business while preparing for a merger to come with all the angst, the uncertainties and so on, including pretty big roadblocks along the preparation with mandates, for example, of the European Commission to divest part of the business in Europe with mandates of the Department of Justice to divest some of the other businesses in North America as a condition to approve. So while focusing a team to continue to profitably grow, working through some kind of such challenges, dealing with the concerns that came in preparation for such a merger to happen. So that was a very intense experience, and but one that I'm very thankful for. And ultimately, the uh, merger closed in June last year. And then as of that day, switching gears from being competitors to becoming partners and collaborators and colleagues was a huge and an interesting move to see from a leadership perspective what it does to people and how well it worked from one day to another, but at the same time also with all the challenges that come with it then to really integrate to almost equally sized businesses mm. from an HR perspective. And from a leadership action perspective, how did you experience that 
integration? How did you help people get on the same page and identify and figure out roles of two very large global businesses coming into one? What are some of the learnings you had there? I mean, as we know from such kind of M&As, there are concerns, there are some angst, there are uncertainties in terms of what's going to happen. So with the announcement came already the announcement that there is a target of $180 million synergies. I have to admit, I ask myself, being three months into the job, am I going to be part of that $100 million? So not only from a personal perspective, but also from a leadership perspective to interact with a lot of the colleagues and discuss those concerns, those fears, and at the same time also keep focusing on serving customers and keep focusing on doing the business. It was pretty clear that it would take months for the merger to close. So there was a long stretch of that uncertainty. And it was certainly an intense leadership experience to keep people focused on serving customers and probably overcome some of their uncertainty also by giving it a chance and to find out what will change and maybe what not and how things will change. And then I think once the preparations came, things were becoming much more tangible. And ultimately, once the closing date came, I think it was a big relief to everyone because it was from August 2018 to June 2019, so a long stretch in time. It was great that it finally then happened and things were then coming together and the plans were coming to fruition. And then still it was several months of hard work to really combining the teams, work through a lot of things and uh, combine the best of both worlds. So from a leadership perspective, I would say the uncertainties, the concerns, some of the prejudice that were out there about the other company, just to really help and facilitate through a lot of discussions and just very regular conversations in addition to conducting the regular business. And you mentioned the uncertainty caused you pause. What did you do to help your team remove some of that pause for themselves and what you knew and what you were able to communicate or manage through? I mean, actually, just to say, I mean, we don't know what we don't know. So let's focus on what we can control and let's focus on what we can do. And having led a global sales and marketing team, obviously, it was relatively easy to who we are supposed to serve, which are the customers. And uh, none of that purpose went away or got challenged by acquisition coming up. And yeah, we were also confronted with some concerns of customers in a highly regulated business in healthcare packaging, very tactical, very detailed decisions about what's the new name going to be and so on. And there were just a lot of answers we could not answer yet. So we had to ask for patience. We had to ask for just Let's focus on the things that we can control now, that we can do now, what the customers demand from us right now, and keep the constant dialogue really, really open-minded. And we increased the number of town halls, meetings, shared our plans as well, and keep really everyone focused. And there were people who chose to, they did not want to deal with that kind of uncertainty and chose to leave. And again, that's okay. I mean, yeah, that's everyone's choice, yeah. exactly, everyone's choice on how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. We share often, Daniel, that communications is king. 
or queen in any type of acquisition and right. integration. Right, right. And it's naturally creates uncertainty, right? Yes. So the best thing you can do is stay focused, but also hope that your organization is communicating what they can when they can. Right. Right. And that they also have your best interest at heart. Yeah. And yep. at the end of the day, yeah. Some people, because of the uncertainty, have to make other decisions for them yeah. and their families. Yeah, yeah. But everyone always wishes there were more communication. Yes, right. Yeah, and consistent communication. Even if we don't have all the answers, yeah, yeah. Let's be talking. Let's create yeah. communication and dialogue yeah. and open up those lines. And talking about communication, I've been very impressed with some of the experience I was able to not only witness but also to participate in terms of creating those spaces of communication. I mean, there were legal restrictions being two competitors, so a lot of things could not take place until closing. But within the possibilities legally, we have been able to create those spaces of communication, of starting to think about how could a combination of both best worlds look like? How is that going to enhance customer value? And so on. And just working through that and generating that additional space of communication, I think really helped for people to get more comfortable mm -hmm. with what's to come. Mm. And also starting to experience, I don't want to call it the other side, but obviously being two competitors, it was the first reaction, oh, we were working against them for so many years. And it's hard to imagine that at one date, we're supposed to be colleagues in one company. And, and again, also that takes time to change that imagination because people are highly competitive, not in a negative way, but it's a competitive situation in terms of who provides the best value and so on. And it was certainly challenging intellectually for all of us to manage both realities, competing still, but at the same time prepare the mindset of that day X to come, which was June 11, 2019, of that day X to come where we switched from being competitors in the evening to becoming colleagues just next morning. Mm. And wow. again, that takes time. In that respect, has been a super intense experience that I'm very thankful for. So that took a lot of my last two years' time. Yeah. And from an experience perspective, like I said, felt like uh, three or four years. Yeah, I think the last episode we recorded was right around the time you were joining yes, the organization. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I also learned from each one of our clients and their experiences. So thank you for having me on the journey sure. with you as a resource and confidant. Daniel, share with us your perspective of leadership. And the question I'm going to ask is, what is the leader's core responsibility for his or her organization? Mm -hmm. I have to admit, uh, basically, it's still very much defined the way I've seen it two years ago, although I have to admit, I could enhance it a little further in the last two years. I think the key is still to me, whether that's in a family-owned environment, in a private equity environment, a listed company environment, to put the right people at the right place and do that based on their strength, based on their intrinsic motivation and focus with a good plan, with vision, mission, strategy, being able to enable, empower, and encourage them. So that's still my key concept that I've been able to apply in a very different company environment of a listed company in the context of a big merger to come. And then we merged and integrated those teams. And I've seen myself confirmed with that approach of seeing how 
rewarding and awarding that is and how people positively react to that by being taken serious as professionals and being given the space to act as professionals in that. And again, that has been key of my leadership understanding when I took that new job and that's how I try to lead as well. Again, key on enabling, encouraging and empowering people. Now let's overlay that, Daniel, with the interest and the connection that you feel with the Talent Magnet Institute. And I want to ask you this question because I strongly believe it'll help our listeners understand a little more coming Mm -hmm. from others about why TMI, why the Institute, why Talent Magnet, what does it mean to be a talent magnet leader? How do we help be ambassadors for our people and for ourselves? So can you share a little bit about with our listening audience as a peers, why TMI for you? Right. Probably I'll refer back to a statement I've made two years ago. Um, To me, business is people. And yes, there are a lot of processes, tools. We talked about digitalization, but ultimately it's people. And with people comes the opportunity, the possibility, the necessity of leadership. And leadership to me means in that respect, not only to put right people at the right place and enable, empower, encourage them, but it also means to take decisions. And there are a lot of situations where it's not obvious what to be done. It's not obvious what's right to be done. There is a lot of options, alternatives, and leadership in that respect requires someone who has confidence, who has knowledge to take a decision and to lead the team and to take some of the tough decisions and obviously have to have the trust of the team then also to follow. And I think that capability of leadership in a profit organization, in a non-profit organization, so I experienced it as a member of the board of directors of the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. It's kind of the same needs a well-developed skill set. And to your question and to make the bridge to TMI and the Talent Magnet Institute is the holistic approach of leadership where the focus is on people, where the focus is on the culture, the chemistry based on vision, mission, and to really allow and to give space to people to perform based on their strengths, based on their intrinsic motivation, and to really put a good team together, which is based on a common vision, working together and generate customer value and those desired outcomes of the business. Excellent. Excellent. The aspects of what you're most excited about regarding how TMI is going to be engaging with organizations and with leaders, both individually and corporately, what makes you most excited about where we can go with this organization and how we can change the trajectory of leadership? Well, it's the proven processes and tools. Mike, you have been doing that for many years. I had made that experience as a client, recruiting together with you. And I think the value that you and your team brought to table in the past and that you now bring up onto a next level with the Talent Magnet Institute through the faculty members and traditional consulting approach, as well as the way of digital enhance the value proposition, I think is going to provide value to leaders to help them to become better leaders, providing them very relevant tools, 
and processes, very valuable content of reflection. I remember two years ago, we talked about getting out of the hamster wheel and take breaks to think. And I think those contents that TMI provides to those leaders are of high value because they are sometimes provocative, sometimes they are confirming, sometimes they can be, I don't want to say confusing, but they're provoking thoughts. And I think it's exactly that kind of content and value for leaders to reflect and to think, which are potential game changers. Uh, again, I had my epiphanies myself from reading, from listening, from conversations. And sometimes big epiphanies come from things that you, where, where you expect them coming least from. And I think those values that you provide through podcasts and those contents are key too, in addition to the processes and the tools. Mm-hmm. Daniel, as you look into your own leadership capacity and your ability to take care of yourself as we talk about relationships, work, community, and life. How do you as a high-capacity leader manage those four components and what does that look like in your mindset as you think about the health of the relationships around you, both professionally and personally, where work fits in, how you impact the greater community, and keeping track of your own life and ensuring that you stay healthy and you stay physically, emotionally, and spiritually fit. I see you as a leader, Daniel, which is why I'm so honored to have you on the team, as a leader who really is thoughtful about these four areas of life. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear your perspective so that for myself and our listeners that we can learn from someone like yourself. Yeah. Uh, It's an interesting question. I think the biggest epiphany I had after leaving Storopak after 21 years was that during that time, not that it was wrong or right or whatever, but I was very one-dimensionally focusing on that role or those roles in the job. And making a change after so much time really made me reflect a little bit better and made me realize that I wasn't really well balanced. And making the long story short, I've decided to balance that much better. First of all, I have two teenage girls in the meantime, and it's not going to take so many years that they're going to be gone to college and then we're empty nesters. And I've spent a lot of time not being home and with the family. So I wanted to balance that better. I have to admit the last two years I rather failed in that I've been almost flying every single week. So, but that's why I'm going to make the change that I'm making as of July 1. We probably can talk about it later, but the balancing between overall the work and family is something that I did. And in addition to a full-time job, I wanted to have other dimensions better taken care of. So I engaged on the board of the symphony orchestra. The symphony is a sole hobby to mine, and it developed also into an, an intellectual hobby. I've invested into the Talent Magnet Institute, into another startup called Innovation Girls. So although I always want to focus on a specific business and role, I feel more comfortable to have a few other things that I do, which probably fit into that job section that intellectually challenge me, which is another business, but which kind of creates a better balance just within the job section. And then the bigger picture balance, obviously, is the one with the family. And 
The other third for me is very much you relate to community with the symphony orchestra, with engagement of my wife and I with Kiwani. So to have kind of a balance of different things and diversify a little bit, not only within the professional section, but also overall between work and life. Mm -hmm. So Innovation Girls, you mentioned that. I'd love to have you share with our audience what that is and why you invested in it as well. Yeah, happy to do so. Actually, it's the startup of friends of my wife and I who have two girls. My wife and I have two girls as well. And what science is telling us is that, or the numbers are telling us, that we're not having enough female leaders, economy, in companies, in politics. And one of the key reasons seem to be, and again, I trust the science and the numbers there, that girls lose confidence a lot in the age between 10 and 15, 10 and 17, for several reasons. And our friends, Rita and Richard, really thought that they want to change this, not just for their girls, but for other girls too. And they thought about what is the best way of changing that. And we know it from our leadership experiences as well, is that the best confidence builder for anyone is to generate successes, generate experiences of being of value and to be able to change things, contribute to problems and so on. And so what they did is they founded Innovation Girls as a profit organization that targets to provide and help girls in the age of 10 to 15 build strong confidence. And the reason how Innovation Girls does that is that those Innovation Girls become innovators to real companies for real problems. So we are using the unbiased minds of those young girls and offer them as resources, brain resources, innovation resources to large corporations who want to have access to an unbiased mind of very creative minds of future customers and so on. And they value that input. And for the girls to be able to solve real problems for real companies is our idea of generating that confidence, that self confidence brings them in touch with companies that hopefully is going to help them to become strong young women, founders of their own businesses, starting up their own business ideas. And again, as a dad of two teenage girls, our girls are not only working with innovation girls as innovation girls, but my wife and I decided also to invest into Rita's and Richard's startup idea to help to make it scale and to be successful in terms of accomplishing to build that confidence for girls while providing significant unbiased value to corporations. How do others, if companies listening to this episode, how do they connect with Innovation Girls and is it geography bound or industry bound or anything like that? So it has been a little bit geography bound before COVID-19. And here's another example of a crisis having a potential to be a catalyst, not only in a negative way, but also in a positive way. So what it did to Innovation Girls is we brought it into virtual reality. That means it's not geographically born anymore. And the ambition is to go global. We have increased the number of Innovation Girls who are joining us in the virtual reality. 
where they meet our customers, the top executives of those customers in virtual meetings. Every girl, every person on the customer side, they have an avatar. So it's all virtual in the meantime. And so that really provides a wonderful opportunity of scalability globally, number one, but also of flexibility where we don't need parents to drive their girls from A to B, but they can do it from home. Yeah, that's so awesome. Thank you for sharing. We'll put a link on that in our show oh, notes yeah, that as would well. Be great. Mm-hmm. That would be outstanding. So thank you for the way that you and your wife, Tina, have invested in and really been thoughtful about where you can make significant opportunity and significant impact in our region and the world around us. Yes. I mean, probably two last comments. I'm speaking as a dad with two girls that we have, but at the same time, you and I had a lot of offline conversations about that topic. I think we need to do much better as a society to have more female leaders in companies, in in politics and everywhere. And making a contribution this way to really encourage a lot of young girls, young women to take the lead and to overcome barriers that are still out there is something that it's important to me, not just being a dad, but also being a leader. Always took a lot of care to much better balanced teams and to really have a high level of diversity represented in teams. And it's a critical call to action, right? To really reflect on what does that look like inside our organization? How can we influence others? What boards do I sit on that we need to make this a priority? How can I make a direct impact in my hiring decisions and our leadership team? So you're so right. It's so needed. The data is behind the impact of both women and diverse leaders, leaders of color, leaders of different beliefs and different origins and races on leadership teams to bring out the best, to ask the questions that no one else is asking. And I know the one, I wish I had a influence on the automotive industry a little more. I've had many women say, you can tell there's very few women engineers designing cars, or there would be a place where we could put our purse right when we get in, Mm -hmm. right? Where Mm -hmm. we could... There's different things that men don't need a lot of resources that we might want to have, right, in places. Right. And you can just tell by the way that cars are designed and the whole experience inside a car, you know, just different things like that. I think it's all around us, right? Right. So what an opportunity to help people at a young age boost their confidence to know they can lead at the highest levels. Yeah. So, I mean, it's heavily focusing on the STEM field, but at the same time also in terms of the self-confidence, the confidence, the leadership skills. We bring negotiation trainings to the girls and ultimately the interaction with really top executives of large corporations who value their perspective and their unbiased minds and who are sincerely interested in their thoughts and their creative ideas. I think makes indeed the difference. And I mean, it's a marathon, but I like a lot that we start early, especially in that age frame where psychology and science tells us where a lot of girls lose some of their confidence that they don't have then later on. Mm. So Daniel, another topic that we're going to get into in a later episode as well, but I wanted to give a little preview 
for our audience. And right before I do that, I also want to encourage those listening, if you go to talentmagnetinstitute.com backslash podcast, you can provide feedback directly on the site. You can just hit record, send us a message. We'd love to hear your feedback. The other thing that we want to make sure we have the opportunity to provide, what questions do you have? What did Daniel share? What did I share that you have more thoughts about, would like us to do some follow-up conversations about? What did you not agree with? And where do you think that we can learn as leaders as we try to bring our best each and every day. We'd love your feedback. So again, if you go to talentmagnetinstitute.com backslash podcast, you can hit record right on the little over on the right-hand side as you look at the menu or just scroll down once and you'll see a little record option. We would love to get your feedback and uh, have you engaged. The other is our active Talent Magnet Institute podcast community Facebook group is a great way to get plugged in. We're active on all social media, but we have this podcast group that lots of good, constructive, and challenging dialogue happens. A safe place for leaders to convene and talk, and that's a private group, so you can look it up and submit a request to join, and we would love to have you join us. So, Daniel, you and I are going to do another episode on the power of the orchestra conductor. Right. And the opportunity that you've seen as an observer of the power of an amazing conductor who brings so many different skills, talents, and unique abilities together. Could you give our audience just a little preview, and then they'll have to wait for the episode release. Could you share with the audience just why you believe this is a great analogy to leadership? Right, right. So, I mean, I had that epiphany maybe at the second or the third time I went to the symphony orchestra here in Cincinnati. I went there first because I love music and it gave me a break on Saturday night. Just enjoy the beauty of music. And I had that epiphany at one point of time of the analogy between a business leader and the conductor of the orchestra. In our previous podcast two years ago, I've shared my concept of a leader putting the right people at the right place, put specialists in place, but obviously get them aligned based on a plan, on strategy, on vision, on mission, on, on budget, and so on. And that was very much inspired through my Rubens House experience. So, and then if I transition or translate that to a symphony orchestra, the conductor does not play an instrument, but he plays the orchestra. So he has all those wonderful musicians in the orchestra, in the different sections, they're all highly specialized on their instrument. And then you can say, well, yeah, they have the music in front of them. They know exactly what to play. So what's the add value of the conductor? And well, actually, it's a conductor who aligns, who synchronizes all the musicians, who shares his interpretation of the score of the music, what the composer wants to express. And there is a very intense work happening, not just on stage during the performance, but in preparation of that. And in addition to doing a pleasure to my soul during those concerts, I just enjoy watching the conductor leading the orchestra. So to me, it's a very tangible example of watching someone lead real time and enjoy the output of it, to enjoy the music out of that. And there is a lot of further details in analogy that we're going to talk about, 
including hopefully to get one of the conductors or Louis Longre, the conductor of the symphony orchestra, or his assistant conductor or the conductor of Cincinnati Pops maybe on the podcast as well. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, to our listening audience, thank you so much for joining Daniel and I. We look forward to our next conversation and I look forward to your engagement, to your feedback, to your questions. And remember that leadership is a journey and we are focused to help you reframe the definition of leadership, how you define success to ensure that we all succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. Thank you for joining us, and we will look forward to connecting with you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.